You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Once again, welcome to the Locked On Hornets podcast. We are coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need to help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, make more sales. Again, that's Gittimer.com. Also, make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Locked On Hornets. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Visit LockedOnSports.com to check out all of our podcasts. And on the NBA, NFL, MLB, and Fantasy Sports, Locked of Locked On Podcast. Lots of Locked On Podcasts for you to check out, so we appreciate it once again. And before we get into what we're going to do within the next few weeks, I want to get something I failed to mention yesterday. And I mentioned that we're all trying to figure this out. Doug and I basically just working together for... The first few days, first few weeks, first few months here with this Lockdown podcast that we're in this together, right? We're being transparent with you. I think that just works better to put out all the vulnerabilities out there. I think it works for a lot of you guys to see what's going on with us. And so that means it would really help for you guys to let us know on Twitter just what works with everybody. So we can all try to organize something into a good product. So let us know what you want to keep, what you, what you think is working. Just any kind of comments that you have, we enjoy hearing from you. So I'll plug our social media once again. Make sure you are following on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Again, if you use Facebook more than those two sites, it's facebook.com slash Locked On Hornets. So again, now more than ever, we'd love to hear from you. Um, also some housekeeping before we start as well. Just a timetable with when you can expect a pod to drop every day. Between my schedule and Doug's schedule, it looks like it's going to be anywhere between 12 and 2 p.m. So you can look, I guess that's probably the two-hour window we're going to go with, at least as of right now. It could change, but I think 12 to 2 is something that you can feel pretty comfortable about with it dropping within that two-hour window. Your surprise afternoon podcast. Right. It used to be, and it used to be early. I know. I hate that that has to change, but again, with all of the scheduling stuff that's going on. I don't. And I. Yeah. I do, love do, it. Does this work for you a little bit better? I feel more awake. I feel fresh. Uh, I was able to read the paper this morning. <laughs> yeah. You put your feet up, drink some coffee and kind of relax a little bit more because you got some more stuff to do in the morning though right oh yeah oh yeah my morning is packed let me tell you so much stuff <laughs> so yeah i got the wake-up call at 4 30 so uh, i wake up at 4 30 every day and so at least so we can't just can't do it in the morning so we're gonna have to kick it off to the afternoon so we are going to pretty much again i'll get into what we're going to get into the, the next few weeks we're pretty much going to dedicate a podcast to every player on the Charlotte Hornets roster for the next three weeks. Uh, maybe besides Mango, Matthew, Yang, some guys like Marcus Page, we won't do a podcast for them. But we'll basically do a roster or a podcast for pretty much every other player on the roster. And I thought a cool way to go about this would be to divide each player up into three segments where we would take a look at each player's past, their present, and their future. So how they got here what kind of production they were putting out in the past, what kind of draft analysis everyone had, the present, which won't take as long. We all know what these guys are about right now. Maybe dive into a little bit of what they're about and maybe a little bit of the skill set that they have in the future, which is exciting for a lot of reasons because it gives the Hornets fans hope. It kind of lets you understand, kind of helps you divide what you think is most important for some of these players, whether they're going to be on the roster or not. So we'll divide it into those three categories. So the again, ghost of... 
basketball's right. past, present, and future. It's like a Dickens novel. We're right. Dickensing around here. And I hope the, the angel of mercy shows up somewhere in there as well for the Charlotte Hornets <laughs> team. All right. So, again, if you like what we're doing here, make sure you are checking out what else the Locked On Podcast Network has to offer, including Locked On Panthers, uh, host Bill Rossetti. Rossetti, right? Rossetti. All right. Host Bill Rossetti is getting you ready for the NFL draft right now in his latest episode. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Locked On Panthers. We're proud to be a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering the biggest local stories in every single market. So let's move on to the past. Let's start with how we got here with Kimba and flashback to the past. So Doug, listeners, the year is 2011. Your beloved Charlotte Bobcats are coming off a 34-48 and 48 season where Paul Silas has come back from the dead to lead this team to a 25-29 and 29 record to finish out the season. Larry Brown is gone. And if you'll remember, the Charlotte Bobcats traded the face of their young franchise, Gerald Wallace, to the Portland Trailblazers. And that was for a package that included two first-round picks. Were you sad to see Gerald Wallace go when he was traded to Portland? Absolutely. I mean, he was... He was the face of a faceless franchise. He, he was, it was kind of like, and don't take this the wrong way, but he was kind of like a lame all-star, but he was an awesome all-star for us. I, I remember I immediately got that Gerald Wallace t-shirt and I wanted that Gerald Wallace t-shirt and I wrapped that. So do you still have it is the question? I, I do. I, st- oh I do still have it. Absolutely. It's a little small, but I try to rock it every now and then. So they trade him to the Portland Trailblazers for a package that included two first-round picks. And any bonus points, Doug, for any other players that came in from Portland? Can you name any other players? I would not have known this, by the way, had I not looked this up. I wouldn't name. Oh, I wouldn't be able to name one. Oh, Portland, Portlandy. <laughs> yeah, no Joel Prisbilla, Dante Cunningham, and Dante. Sean Marks. Now I do remember Dante. Those are the three guys that also came in with the first-round pick. So basically, nothing. They were in the last year of their contracts. I think they all probably were off the team the, the very following year. So in a deal that completed seven minutes before the trade deadline, Michael Jordan completed that seven minutes right at the bell. The Bobcats agreed to part ways with the last original member of the seven-year-old franchise, that is Gerald Wallace. The Bobcats acquired a conditional 2011 first-round pick from Portland, and that was obtained by New Orleans, and a conditional 2013 first-rounder from the Trailblazers. So they got that package in return for Gerald Wallace. You flash forward to June 23, 2011, draft night in the NBA, and Charlotte has just selected Bismack Biombo who Doug swears he saw hit a Euro step one time oh, in yes. person. I'm skeptical. I did. It was in Memphis, <laughs> Memphis, Tennessee. I'm skeptical about that. But Bismack Biombo, Doug swears that Bismack was the first pick in that draft for the Charlotte Bobcats. Point guard Brandon Knight goes before the Hornets pick again, and Charlotte decides on a quick high-scoring point guard who just led UConn to a national championship. His name was Kimba Walker. So it's funny to see the pre-draft analysis for Kimba Walker as a guy that was a little smaller, but again, his quickness was revered by a lot of the NBA talent scouters and talent evaluators. And you look at some of the pre-draft analysis on Kimba Walker, pretty dead on. And pretty dead on, not only, of course, just looking at what you saw in front of you at the time, but even in the future. It seems like these guys got it right for the most part and what he could do. So the strengths, we've got a couple of different draft sites out there. So NBADraft.net, they had Walker's game is marked by electricity and explosiveness. He plays with an undefinable burst, seemingly moving in a warp speed. They love to speed, while everyone else is just standing still. We can 
we can look at that and say that's pretty accurate for Kimba. His weaknesses was that his measurement of 6'1 with shoes on was actually a win, and it's still kind of on the smaller end of that, and they didn't know that he was going to be 6'1. It was a little bit of worry, I guess, on how tall he would be. But he also, of course, he did remain that undersized commodity. His standing reach, which I didn't know, was 7 feet 7 inches, and that's the same as 5'10 point guard Isaiah Thomas. So not exactly the longest wingspan for Kimball Walker. And his size was a problem. And, of course, we all know the shooting was a problem. That was a guy that shot 33% from beyond the arc in college. And, of course, you put that in the NBA where you move it back a little bit more in, in, in the association, and you have to worry about his shooting and his ability to hit from beyond the arc. But Kimba, I mean, it seems like those guys in all the pre-draft analysis was pretty spot on with Kimba when, when you look at in the past. I, I I think a lot of people thought that it would be a little bit of a risky pick, maybe not everyone calling him a two-time All-Star. But here we are. Here, here Kimba Walker is, and that takes us to the present, where Kimba Walker is a guy that we've seen grown into a very good player now. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. The one draft pick you hit on was Kimba Walker, and you, you drafted Bismack Biombo before him. Oh! You got it right the second time, which is great. I am too smart. SMRT. But you drafted Biombo before Kimba Walker. So, <laughs> again, you almost messed that one up as well. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. So, before we get into the present, we have a resurgence of Steve Clifford within the next within the past couple of days. Doug, Steve Clifford was on ESPN yesterday giving NBA analysis, commenting on the games that were taking place last night, including the Cavs and the Pacers series, and Doug I already miss him. He He's was so good. He's a TV good. guy now. He's on television. This is so this is amazing. He put the suit and I don't know if he had the tie on, but he was as eloquent as ever and it did it did make me miss him. He sounded he sounded very very smart on television. The most challenging part uh, that Indiana brings to the table, his high pick and rolls and his high post isos, they're basically saying anybody but Victor is going to shoot the ball. High pick and roll, high post iso, these aren't the things that you hear on SportsCenter? No, they're not. When they can attack the basket and get most guys and get to the rim, Gobert takes all of that away. If you look at the numbers, they're shooting more pull-ups, less layups, less shots, zero to three feet. So what we'll probably see again tonight, which we did the other night, which was a a great move by Billy, is a little Patterson at the five to spread them out and make Gobert defend out on the perimeter. So Steve Clifford with just some awesome knowledge there. I miss Steve Clifford, man. Like I mean, at least listening to him, I, I get having to move on, but his press conferences and just listening to him talk about the game of basketball was always pretty phenomenal anytime anytime you had a loss anytime you had a victory it didn't really matter Steve was going to get you some good stuff and in, in any kind of audio that you wanted to listen to him. there was there's no doubt that he has a, a knowledge a specific knowledge of the game and and he can communicate how well he knows the game not only to uh, not only to normies like you and I but also to the professional basketball players that he had under him. I just think that ultimately the message that he was trying to bring to that specific roster, it had just gone on too long. And so uh, this is what we always said, you know, you can be an amazing, great coach and the message not necessarily translate. 
and and the pairing not work, I, I think I don't think he's going to be on television for for very much longer. I think one of these teams, the Phoenix or Orlando, you will think scoop this him season? Up. You think this season Steve Clifford gets a job? I totally do. I, I just think he makes that that kind of impre- the kind of impression that you saw on SportsCenter where you go, man, this guy knows his stuff and he knows what what he thinks wins in the NBA. And I think that's just going to impress one of these teams like Phoenix, who who I think are they're desperate to be good again. And I think they're going to see Clifford and and just and snack him up quick. And we'll, we'll see if Steve Clifford gets a job. I, I had kind of gone on the lines of maybe him getting a job maybe after next season, just because you see it so often. But it wouldn't surprise me. I wouldn't sit here and be shocked if Steve Clifford did to get that job with Phoenix. And you mentioned the message maybe not getting lost but maybe getting worn out is probably the more proper term to use with this specific roster the one guy that it seemed like it didn't really wear out with was Kimba Walker the star of the Charlotte Hornets team where Steve and Kimba it seemed like did have a good relationship and again we just dabbled into Kimba Walker's past well here we are we'll go to the present now where Steve Clifford and him had forced a very good relationship but now Steve Clifford's out Kimba Walker's arguably the best Charlotte Hornet of all time the franchise's all-time leading scorer, passing the beloved Del Curry in a Hornets uniform. He's a two-time All-Star who is now one of the better three-point shooters in the entire league after having struggles earlier on in his career, and he turns 28 years old two weeks from today. So entering the prime of his career as a Charlotte Hornet, the Hornets finally have, after a long time, a legitimate star in the prime of his career. And because of payroll ties and a bad record based off expectation, Kimba Walker's future is in jeopardy. Where Steph Cliff or where Stephen Clifford is gone, Mitch Kupchak comes in and is now the new GM, and we're going to have to figure out what kind of things that they want to do alongside Kimba Walker, or maybe off of Kimba Walker. But what Kimba is now is a very good three-point shooter. He hasn't been below thirty-seven percent in the past three seasons. What Kimba has done is gone over twenty percent, twenty points per game up until this season. He had enhanced his points per game production every single year that he'd been in the league. It it was incredible what Kimba's been able to do. I think his assists, they've hovered around the same. His steals, they've hovered around the same. I think what you've really seen him grow is his ability to hit at a higher efficiency. It was a guy that had finished below 40%, not even just the bad shooting marks from beyond the arc, but he had shot below 40% a few times in his NBA career. And I remember looking at PTI one time, and I remember Mike Wilbon and Tony Kornheiser discussing Kemba Walker on maybe one of the fast things they do at the end where they're just ending the show. Nothing like three seconds of Kemba Walker analysis. Yeah, and and that's exactly what you got. It was tied along with Jeremy Lin, and this was before Jeremy Lin uh, was on the Charlotte Hornets roster. And those were the only two guys, I believe, that shot under 40% for the year at that time that took a minimum amount of field goals attempted. And it, it, Kimba, it, it was nothing new. I mean, it was just something of a guy that was inefficient. You, know, you hear Zach Lowe talk about it. You heard him when Steve Clifford was on the Zach Lowe podcast. They discussed that guys would just let him go. They would let him shoot. They, they wouldn't even try to put a hand in his face. They'd let him shoot. They'd try to bait him. And now if he gets you on this back shoulder rolling off a screen, he will make you pay with not much airspace at all because he shoots over 37, 38, 39% in the last three seasons of him playing. So this is the Kimba Walker that we're now used to. It's got him a couple of all-star appearances, and it's going to be tough to see him go, but it does lead us to his future where – we don't know if Kimba Walker is going to be on this team anymore. So, again, we just did the passing. Oh! oh, my 
got in a huge upset. <laughs> the NBA satchel of LOLs returns. You know the listeners are excited upon hearing that right now. That's the number one thing I heard, by the way, when becoming the host of this podcast. People wanted to bring back the satchel, so of course we give the people with it. Well, listen, this is an upset because uh, I had killed I had killed the NBA satchel of LOLs. I had thrown it in the garbage can, and it somehow revived itself. It showed back up and then demanded to be heard. That is the legend of the NBA satchel of LOLs. And if you don't know what this is, basically, when the, uh, when the Hornets talk gets a little too depressing, the NBA <laughs> satchel of LOLs always uh, comes up big. So let me, let me dig down deep into the satchel here. The playoffs providing ample material for the NBA satchel of LOLs. And we have... Shaquille O'Neal trying to do an Australian accent while talking to the Jazz's Joe Ingles on Inside the NBA. Joe, hello, mate. This is Shaq. <laughs> down under. Uh, that, was, that was terrible. I, started, I, started, I, started, I, started, I, I hear a whole day in the locker room here. I love Joe Ingles there saying he hears it all the time in the locker room. And then... That that one by Shaq, though, the worst Australian yeah. accent he's ever heard. Well, it's got to be. I, I can't imagine Shaq mate. putting out a deep, hey, mate. just gargantuan Australian accent out there. It sounded pretty bad. Shaq, Shaq is hilarious. Those guys are hilarious to watch interact with any kind of player. Have you, you ever met someone that did have a foreign accent and you... You just sort of accidentally started to do their accent. You didn't even mean <laughs> or to. Or it was almost contagious. Right. You weren't trying to be insulting, but you were just so fascinated by their cadence that it just it leapt out of their mouth and into yours. I don't think that it was any kind of accent. Or maybe maybe it was an accent. Maybe it was um, maybe a draw, maybe a southern draw. So I'm from Catawba County, which is about an hour north from here in Hickory, North Carolina. And it probably hit on me a couple of times so I was born in Indianapolis of course and I moved down here and that might have come across a little bit I don't know if I started to just though within a couple of just a couple of seconds or a couple of minutes or just whatever being around a person has that happened to you before does that recollect do you recollect the time I feel that's like whenever I meet someone from across the pond as they say there start in, to let the British in out. jolly old England I feel like I always accidentally throw in, if not the full English accent, then then my my diction gets extremely proper, extremely proper. Do you have like, the accent to go, and you have the accent to go along with it, or you just want to you just enunciate everything you say? And it's the, the pronunciation yes, yes. is perfect. It's, it's the enunciation that's perfect. It's it's the pressure of, of because I feel like everyone from England just has that beautiful, great diction. And, and I feel almost ashamed if I throw any of my southern drawl into there and miss a couple of consonants, throw away a couple of vowels. Can't do that around the English. You have to be on on your game. I don't even know what that was. See, no, I, I just did it again. That, that wasn't bad. That was not. That wasn't Shaq esque. That wasn't bad. That was pretty good. I see. I don't know if I, I'm not sure. I could really do all the accents like that. Like I mean, I don't know if I'm good. I'd be too self conscious. I think that was what dips into me, where I'd be too self conscious to make sure I keep any kind of has. I would keep any kind of wanting to at bay. 
I certainly wouldn't do it to a to a professional basketball player. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. Would Not Shaquille O'Neal. He can do anything he wants, including talk bad Australian. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. And Doug, don't you have an Eldon Campbell like stuffed animal type thing? Yes, I do. I got it at the last regular season home game that they had before they left for New Orleans. I, look, I love me some Eldon Campbell, but is that, is they, that the they guy? were just they were clearing everything out of the house because it was whatever they gave to the fans that night. They didn't have to take with them to New Orleans. Get more Hornets analysis on LockedOnHornets.com. All right, so we'll move on to the future where we just discussed the past and the present. The future, again, means general manager Rich Cho was fired at the end of this regular season. Mitch Kupchak was immediately the favorite to land the job in his absence, and maybe a few names were mentioned, maybe here and there, but Kupchak eventually gets that job, and he has a weird press conference, and he fires Steve Clifford, and he cleans house of the Spectrum Center, and here we are deciding on what the Hornets' future is going to be. So part of this weird press conference, though, he, he did, of course, ask some questions or answer some questions about Kemba Walker. And he said he would love to have a player like Kemba on his team, but basically gave us nothing. And Like Kemba. Uh, like Kemba. <laughs> and he basically gives us nothing, which is fine. I don't know if we expected a whole lot of details on what he was going to do with Kemba Walker just a couple of days into the job. But he didn't give us anything, and, and we move on, right? A player like Kemba doesn't mean it was specifically Kemba Walker. So we move on to assess the situation. Kemba has an interview with Rick Bennell, and this is, of course, before the press conference. And it, it seems like Kimba Walker's story at this time has shifted a little bit. Kim has always been a great – he's always been at least great publicly acknowledging his love for Charlotte. He, he's always backed the city up. But as rumors of a rebuild started to come to surface, it, it seemed like Kimba started to show us a little doubt. And understandably so. I, I mean, it, it, it seemed like he was starting to show us some doubt, saying he didn't want to do that again. Remember, his first season was the seven-win season that the set that set the record for the worst year in the NBA history. Kimba doesn't want to do that again. So now here we are doing it a rebuild. And there's a lot of questions to ask. So, oh, Doug, I think the first few questions you ask is, of course, whether you want to keep him, but under that umbrella is, if you do decide to let him go, what's his value? What is Kimba Walker's value, and, and what could you get in return? Well, we'll start there. What, what, what do you think you could get in return if you do decide to let Kimba Walker go? I think if it's around the, the NBA draft, then all of a sudden you've got teams like, like Phoenix and Orlando. Well, Orlando may want to just completely reshuffle the deck and keep their picks, but you could get maybe some talented players from Orlando. But from a Phoenix, I mean, I, I think that's a team that's really looking to be good quickly, and they would be more willing to give you a package of first-round picks well into the future that could establish your rebuild early. That's the thing. If you want to start this rebuild, then you've got to use really the only piece you have that is is going to be worth a first-round pick to try to accumulate multiples of those and start your you know, start your rebuild right. And you have, of course, in your conspiracy theory that you have subtly constructed uh -huh. Kemba and Steve Clifford reunite. Uh -huh. In uh -huh. Phoenix, yeah, I, yeah, I know. I'm it, building this. You, I'm, you were I'm getting trying there. to start this train. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I start. I said that, not realizing that Kevin O'Connor from the Ringer was actually writing about. I think he wrote this on March 30th. Uh, a few locations where Kimball Walker might end up, and one of those was Phoenix. Now Clifford wasn't mentioned in any of that, but uh, he was mentioning possible multiple first round picks plus a a player like Dragon Bender. 
you know, maybe some young talent. Do, do any of their young guys really entice you, though? No, Marquise Chris, not at all. Yeah. I mean, Devin Booker. Well, Devin Booker they're is different. Gonna, they're they're gonna not going to let him. Keep him. Right. Right. So really, it's it's Chris, it's it's Booker. I'm sorry, it's Chris, it's it's Bender. I mean, I like Bender. He's seven foot one. He could rebound and shoot the three. Uh, he could play a little defense. He, he struggles a little bit from there as well. But uh, I think that's a piece. So that if you package him with some first round picks, and I don't know, maybe you could could you pry a. TJ Warren, maybe. I don't know if that'd be somebody you'd be interested in. I would think Josh Jackson is pretty untouchable at this point as well. I'd have to look at the contracts, but I think you you want to get as many as many picks as you can. And and that we know one thing about Mitch Kupchak is that he does prize draft picks, and and I think that's going to going to be the one thing that that he prioritizes over over anything when it comes to deal making is accumulating future draft picks. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think that would be good to see what Mitch Kupchak, the value that he puts on it. Because again, it, it's not that Rich Show didn't value wholeheartedly what the first round picks were, but you could see that in the second round, Rich Show just used them all the time and he would just fling those things on out of the organization to whatever team that was willing to take them on in order to get some kind of player. So you, you kind of have a discussion on what his value would be in return. I don't know what you'd get on from him in the trade market. I think I would settle for nothing less than certainly a first round pick in the future because again you don't want Kimba Walker you don't want to trade him and not get anything back and then of course it comes up his contract situation where he does only have one more year left and you also don't want him to walk away and get nothing in return so maybe at the deadline of next season you have to bite the bullet and you had exhausted all about all the possibilities already and maybe you settle for something less because you just don't want to lose him in the long run that's the big fear right that he that he leaves in free agency and suddenly this player it would be it would be demoralizing more than anything to have a player of his caliber that you have built uh basically from the ground up and and seen him improve uh, to to go through your system and then not get anything in return i think would be just devastating to the morale of the franchise but is that worth the risk of moving him too early and not getting anything uh, not getting the the value in return that's going to help you in the future. That's the nightmare scenario to let Kimba Walker go and still be too good. And, and and let me ask you this, Doug, because I do think it's worth getting rid of him early. And here's why: because I think every day that he's in this organization, his value depreciates. And the reason that is is because as long as he's in this organization, his contract is going to get shorter and shorter and shorter. So then, when you trade him at the end you have basically a rental player unless you can get an agreement or something where he can sign long-term with that particular team. Does Kimba Walker feel comfortable going all the way out there to Phoenix, far away from home in New York, or just want to go out there out west? I don't, I don't know what he wants. I don't know how that would appeal to him. But does he want to stay there long-term? Would he want to stay with any other kind of team long-term? I think that would be something where you're going to have to figure that out before I'm getting rid of a first-round pick for Kimba, right? Because then all of a sudden you have him for half a season at the trade deadline and you're out of a first-round pick next season. So I think if you're Mitch Kupchak, you understand that. You understand that the value depreciates from him. And I think maybe if you see a if you see a deal that you like, if you think you can get something better, then fine. I mean, of course you got to do that as a general manager. But if you see that a deal that you like and you're kind of 50-50 on it, that might be something to keep in mind. But I think you should take Mitch Kupchak firing Steve Clifford and then, and then cleaning house as an indication that this is Kupchak's vision now and that there is no sentimentality. Because the thing is with, with Mitch Kupchak, he has helmed teams 
that that reached the the highest of highs. And so he he knows what it takes. He knows what kind of players build championship teams. And there's going to be no well. He was the he's the all time franchise leading scorer. He means this to the fans. He means that. I think Kupchak's going to go into this uh, with with absolutely zero sentimentality and and find the 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 best team that uh, or, or the best set of assets that that he can gather moving forward. Well, what that kind of goes into the discussion of maybe not holding on to him so long, right? I mean, if, if he's yeah. approaching this with no sentimentality, which I, I think is fine for this. Yeah, I, I think in order to fix a franchise like this, I think that's fine. But I also think that may go into maybe letting him go a little early than what you thought. So again, that's the kind of stuff you might get in return with Kimba. The future for Kimba is fascinating. We got some more things on this. Some other questions I would have is, is Doug, do you think he ages well? So here's a guy in Kimba Walker who is 28 years old in two weeks. It's a guy that his game is predicated a lot on speed, a lot on quickness, very much still to this day. I mean, he has, I would argue that it's the meanest step back in the game. I think Kyrie Irving has, and Steph Curry, they probably have better handles, but Kimba has certainly gone right up there. He moves by guys with his quickness. He finishes well at the rim, but he's also turned into a good shooter, which is going to have value later on. I feel like that has saved his longevity in this league. But just how long can he be at an all-star level anymore? Well, what's encouraging, at least for now, is that it seems like he has avoided the the late-season knee issue that he had the past two seasons. If you remember, same knee had yeah. to have it uh, had to have a procedure to ev- to essentially get it get it cleaned, get it right, and he would miss you know several weeks of the off-season. Uh, but that was two straight two straight off-seasons that he had to have that same procedure done. And so, you know, now you hope that that he stays healthy uh, and and that he can have a full off season, whether he dresses up in teal and purple next season or not. Yeah, I think that what Kimba Walker has now is a couple of more all star appearances in him. I still think that he's still going to be able to get to the rim pretty well. He's so fun to watch when he gets to the rim and just absorbs the contact. Shooting on the way down is pretty impressive for what Kimba does. You know, People don't realize how impressive it is when guys are going down to the ground and still are able to hit at a pretty high rate. Oh, especially any 6-1 going up against some trees down there. You say fun to watch, and, and that brings something to mind for me, is that if they, if they do send Kimba away, yeah. I feel like they have to bring something back that's going to be fun to watch because, and, and you hope obviously that Malik Monk continues to impress and do some of the things that we saw late season, that that dunk that he had, that very athletic dunk from the baseline, I, I remember that. But, you know, this team could be, without Kimba Walker, just very, very difficult to watch because he was one of the things that you could count on night in and night out to to lift fans out of their seats. Well, and that's something that we've talked about with Rick Bennell quite a bit is, of course, Rick covers the team every single day. And when Michael Jordan came out with the fact that it's not like we're legitimately shopping Kimba Walker, but we're listening to offers, right? Which, you know, it, it means that you're shopping them, but whatever. So when you're listening to offers like that, Rick was discussing that, saying this is going to be a team that is not all that entertaining without Kimba Walker on the floor. Then when Kimba Walker's gone, where's the entertainment value coming from? You know, Dwight was fun back in the day, but he relies so much on somebody feeding him the ball in the post. Malik Monk is going to be fun if he can stay out on the court and if he develops into a good player. You know, what's your other fun player here? What's your other entertaining calling, player? Calling those games is going to be like one of those nature documentaries. <laughs> and Howard yeah, you might, judges up the course. It's going to be like Dave Attenborough calling the game. Nick Batum, graceful. <laughs> 
in his march towards the basket. It, it's going to be, yeah, Dave Attenborough, it, it's going to sound like he's on the call. and It's going to sound like there's just not a whole lot of entertainment value there, and that's something that every franchise, whether they want to admit it or not, they're going to say that winning matters more so than anything. And whether they want to admit it or not, they also want butts in the seats. They want money to come there, and when Kemba Walker's not there anymore, you're going to go see Nick Batum? Is that who you're going to go see? I think that's a good point you bring up. The majestic Marvin Williams rises out of his home. He's peeking his head, and yes, he shoots the basketball. <laughs> I think you have a career in it. And so other <laughs> things that you'd have to ask Kemba Walker is not only what you could get in return of him, what does he age, uh, how well does he age, what his value is. And I'm interested in how much money you think he's worth. Because you, I'm just looking at the kind of point guards that are what, what they're getting. It, it seems like everyone spent all the money a couple of years ago in free agency. And then you look at what is a very point guard-saturated league. There's a lot of good point guards in this league right now. And then you look at Kyle Lowry, who didn't get as much. Still got a lot of money, don't get me wrong. But he didn't get as much as a max contract where you thought he would. I know he's linked to Philadelphia, San Antonio. Might have been trying to move some money around. Eventually stays with Toronto because the market just wasn't out there for him. All these questions that we just answered kind of goes into how much the guy gets paid, how much Kimball Walker gets paid if he does hit free agents. There are situations out there, and, and I'll go back to Phoenix. Phoenix is going to have a lot of money to play with, and if they fail to acquire uh, some of some of their other targets, then then you know they could pursue someone like Kimball Walker and pay him a lot of money. I don't think there's a team out there right now that would be willing to go full max on Kimball Walker, but I could certainly see him getting very close a la Nick Batum. I think he would get close to it. I don't think that he would get it either. But and especially now, of course, you go back a couple of years ago, he gets it right now, right here, right now. But now with, with how much money that everyone has lost, it's just the mar- the market is not as strong as it once was for the NBA point guards. So I, I'm interested to see what happens with, with Kimball Walker in his future. So there you have it, the breakdown of Kimball Walker's past, the breakdown of his present, and exactly what you could see from Kimball Walker's future. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Locked On Hornets. Thanks again for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at LockedOnHornets. So subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Once again, I'm Walker Mail alongside Doug Branson. Make sure you bring out maybe a little bit of alcohol when you listen to us tomorrow. We're talking Nick Batum. Try to put some <laughs> try to put some fun in there at for you. 12 o'clock. <laughs> 12 o'clock if you want to. Sneak it in the lunchbox. I, maybe if you're listening a little later, it's a little bit more appropriate or because we're talking about Nick Batum, it's a little bit more appropriate. All right, it's the Locked On Hornets podcast. Thanks for listening.